Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. No days off! No days off! No days off! No days off! This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball! <laughs> With Andy Hart. No, that's a really interesting point. Did this microphone week? put up a little less fight than the one last night? <laughs> no, I think I said that, Andy. And Ryan Hannibal. Oh, what's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal! Hannibal! Mr.comer on WEI.com. Well, I guess we were on about that one. Patriots beat the Jets 33-0. It was not that close competitive game that we thought, and Sam Darnold saw ghosts. Well, I would say Bill Belichick was wrong because he said Sam Darnold made a difference for the Jets, a big difference, that he made them better, and we all went with that working theory because of the way he played in week one and the way he played against the Cowboys, and um, that was as bad a performance. Luke Falk could have done that. I mean, Luke Falk could have done that. Right. Throw off your back foot, toss it up for grabs, four interceptions, a lost fumble. Um, that's one of those performances where he was a beaten man, Sam Darnold. And I wonder how he bounces back from that. But from a Patriots perspective, just more stupid, silly, ridiculous defensive stats. Um, two third down conversions allowed. This is now six straight games that they've allowed two or fewer third downs. And I continue to fixate that because people look at the points and go, wow, another shutout. But it's one thing to shut a team out. They're not moving the ball. They can't even really stay on the field and give themselves opportunity to score points. So everything we've said about the defense, the boogeymen, and I know Kyle Vinoy took much joy when he oh, found out that Sam Darnold said he saw ghosts out there. And that's a separate topic. Maybe we can get into a little later because I think Sam Darnold was hung out to dry by the ESPN cameras and audio people. I've, I've never seen something like that in game get distributed. Uh, you know, usually those are, whether it's NFL, NBA, those are sort of boring, just kind of run-of-the-mill quotes or noises. To have that comment go out there, if I'm Sam Darnold, if I'm the Jets, I am as pissed as you wouldn't. You'll, you'd never mic up one of my players ever again. That would be the end of it. I'm with you, and I think we can get into that later on. Um, offensively, I thought that it was a very good start. I think the first half was probably their best overall half of the season. But then I think you have to get into saying that this offense has some – Concerns, I guess, in the middle stages of the game. 
The running game in particular stands out to me as just not being there. 2.4 yards a carry. Um, what, what were your overall thoughts on the offense? Well, offensively, and you know, this is one of the things I blogged, was that first drive was that was big boy football. That was the kind of drive you want to start any game, whether it's on the road, home, playoffs, regular season, good opponent, bad opponent. 16 plays, 78 yards, I think, nearly nine minutes of clock time. That's how you start a football game that you want to control, especially with this defense. You know, Bill talked a lot about it. He always talks about complimentary football. If you start a game like that with a long wear down the opponent drive and then put your defense on the field, you've sort of doubled the pressure on the other team because now they feel like, well, I need to put a drive together. I need to match this or we're in trouble. We're already in a hole. And when you do that, I think that helps the defense that's already talented and good and schematically going to put pressure on the opposing offense. So, you know, we talk about starting fast and setting tones and sort of all those cliches, but that's what that drive was. And, you know, there were some four third down conversions in there, including the Michelle touchdown to different guys. It wasn't just like you fed Edelman every play. Ben Watson made a play. Jacoby Myers made a play. Ben Watson had a drop um, that hit him in the face mask. Otherwise that's like a perfect drive. Like that, that would have been a perfect drive. Um, they ran the ball a little bit, not great, um, but had a couple productive runs in there that were then balanced out with unproductive runs. But that really did. It just set the tone for the entire game, and they they rolled and played from ahead from, from that drive on. I thought the team was, and Bill Belichick for that matter, was very, very excited after that game. Like they went in there, and they, they knew that they took care of business. You saw Bill Belichick smiling after that rules, the punt thing with Adam Gaze and sort of made light of it after the game. The, yep. players, the players were all fired up in the locker room afterwards, sidelines. Like that was – I think they walked away from that game knowing they let everything out that they had and they basically executed exactly the way they wanted to, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Well, I think there's a few reasons for that. A, it's the Jets. Bill Belichick hates the Jets. That is still an ongoing thing. I know he made a trade with them, and he loves Adam Gase. But organizationally, the Jets are different. They hate them. Um, and that's sort of institutionally put into to place within players. Even new players in New England, I think, find out pretty quickly that the Jets are different. Uh, I also think the way the Jets played a week ago against, a, theoretically, a playoff caliber team in the Cowboys and – them coming off a long layoff with the extra time off and, you know, the days off last weekend, I think for them to pick up where they left off to execute, as you said, efficiently on both sides of the ball, even in special teams. I think those are the kind of things that Bill says, wow, we got something here. I have a veteran team that almost regardless of the circumstance or the trap game or the non-trap game or the road or the Monday night or the long week, or the short week, I can trust them to give their best effort to execute up to their best ability. That doesn't mean it'll always be perfect because they're going to play opponents that sometimes will put up a fight, unlike Sam Darnold. But I, I think that's where that pride comes from, that ability to just come out and get the job done as a coaching staff, as, as sort of a unit throughout the week. All right, let's get into the Sam Darnold comment. I think that's the big, the biggest takeaway of the game. Um, you've touched on it earlier. Going to a little bit further, you disagree with – if you were ESPN, you wouldn't have aired that. I would not have. There's a reason you never see that. There's a reason, be, and those happen. I can guarantee you if you went to the cutting room floor of history with those mic'd up, whether it's NBA coaches huddle, NFL players, there's good stuff that because of the responsibility you have to sort of protect the person who allowed you to mic them up or is, or is allowing you to listen in, 
you, you have that responsibility. There's no way they would have ever done that to a Bill Belichick team out of fear. So well, I think well, Bill Belichick would never have had his player mic'd up by ESPN. Oh, I don't know that. I mean, Bill no, because no, he only trusts NFL Films and NFL Network. No, he's had ESPN mic people. I don't think before. so. I'm 99 sure he has. I don't because know. But he knows no one will f with him. No one will make his guys look bad. There's a lack of respect for the Jets and for Adam Gase and for Sam Darnold there that, to me, is a fireable offense. It's a borderline fireable offense if I'm the Jets. I'm looking for blood. I'm going headhunting because you hung my franchise quarterback out to dry. And I think it's such a bad look that it's tough to recover from. I think that that is a mark, a blemish, that unless he takes off from here, unless his next six games are absolutely perfect and he's an MVP candidate, that's a blemish that's going to stick with him. I mean, there's a reason Kyle Van Oy laughed at him, essentially, postgame. And just to set the scene, Kyle Van Oy was asked about it, then was moving on to another question and then said, wait, 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 did he really say that? Ooh, that makes it real, the boogeyman. And the whole, like, he, he, Kyle Van Oy was so taken aback that he had to sort of reset himself and laugh at the fact that Sam Darnold made that comment. And by the way, people say stuff like that. I saw uh, Matt Castle on NBC Sports Boston talking about quarterbacks say stuff like that on the sideline all the time. It doesn't get broadcast to the nation. That's what ha- That's the difference there. And, you know, quarterbacks talk, and I don't know if we need to explain it. Seeing ghosts basically means he wasn't reading the coverages. He wasn't seeing the reality of on the field. He was seeing something different, people in different places, not knowing where guys are. So, you know, it's no different than Tom Brady. I talk about at times, pressure him early, and he starts to see there's ghosts in his head. That's what I've always said, ghosts, or he predicts the pressure and starts to think something's coming that really isn't coming. But again, he doesn't get hung out to dry by whoever's running the audio for the network. So I, that's a bad look for ESPN. It's a worse look for ESPN. It won't play this way because I don't think people will look at it this deep. It's a yeah. worse look for ESPN than it is for Sam Darnold. I wonder why the Jets didn't really come out guns blazing last night against ESPN. Maybe they're going to let you know the, the stuff get out there. But you know, I, I thought if they were really, really upset, they would have said something last night. Gase might have said something at the podium. They might have you know, fed something to a reporter. There was right. nothing of that, though. So, you know, maybe that's coming today. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't handle it well because I would have come out guns a-blazing if I'm Gase. And, you know, I would have emphasized it's not the reason we lost the football game. The reason we lost the football game is because the Patriots were the better team. They did dominate us on both sides, blah, blah, blah. But I would have voiced – excuse me – would have voiced my displeasure um, at that and and – yeah, like I said, ESPN would never mic up a single player of mine if I'm the Jets ever again. The Patriots seem to have – they knew what Sam Darnold was going to do going into that game. You talked to the members of the secondary. They had a very good idea that he was going to basically throw the ball up in the air for a number of interceptions. I think they saw stuff on tape. They threw a ton of different looks at him pre-snap. They were moving you know, safeties around, showing you know single high, two high safety, um, sometimes blitzing all seven guys, sometimes blitzing seven guys. Sometimes showing what seven guys and drop guys back into coverage. They just threw the kitchen sink at Sam Darnold. And I think that they knew coming into the game, he was going to have a lot of trouble handling it. And that just factored into, we didn't talk about it during the week, but Sam Darnold sort of gave the defense some bulletin board material by saying he was going to try to find the Patriots' weakness. And that was another thing Kyle Van Noy took a little dig at him multiple times, saying, you know, he was trying to find a weakness. We just kept playing to our strengths. He said that multiple times. Yeah, I heard those comments. If that, it's fine. I mean, they're the best at it in finding bulletin board material where there really isn't any bulletin board material. 
um, and they magnify it. And Bill does that. You know, I've seen it where he posts them on those video screens throughout the stadium. I mean, throughout the locker room, throughout the football offices, highlighted in bright, you know, yellow highlighter, whatever Sam Darnold says. And by the time the game comes around, he's convinced players that that was disrespectful, where I think it was the opposite of disrespectful. He was just saying, you know, we're going to – going to play our game and try to find weaknesses. I don't think it, it was in any way a shot, but I guess lesson learned by, by Sam Darnold. Um, I, I would say this is another example of um, almost what Brady was talking about in regards to his Netflix appearance. Like people just take words out of context and run with yep. them and can turn them into whatever they really want them to be. And Bill Belichick and his team wanted that to be motivation. So it therefore became motivation um, and maybe that's another thing, as I said, that Darnold will learn from. But I thought that was pretty, pretty tame. Um, and in the end, I, don't, I, I know they all said it. You know, Devin McCourty mentioned it pregame when he was getting his little group of defensive backs. That was right. the official Patriots Twitter account. Yeah. So they, I mean, they used it. And as I said, one of the many list of thousands of things you talk about Bill being great at, he's done that forever. And it's yeah. no one person. You know, we used to think it was Willie McGinnis, or we used to think it was Rodney Harrison, or we used – well, all those guys have been gone for 10 years, and he's still getting guys like Kyle Van Oy and Devin McCourty and these new wave of guys to take these these words and turn them into perceived slights and use them as motivation. So that tells me it's not the individual players. It's the way Bill manipulates these players and gets them to be like frothing animals by the time they get the field, and it worked again. It's It's undefeated, basically. The other side of the ball, I thought the standout to me, the, uh, the most notable thing from the game offensively was Joey Myers. Five catchers on five targets. He's got the last nine passes thrown his way. He really starts to seem like he's developing the trust of Tom Brady. It was a third down, I think it was, that he saw the soft spot over the middle of the zone and made sure he got the first down. That was a play to me that said that they're on the same page. And, and I think that Jacoby Myers could be a guy to take his game to the next level down the stretch. Well, you are a guy that cares about these streaks of catching every pass thrown his way, correct? Yep. So, sure do. Philip Dorsett, right? Philip Dorsett, yep. like. Yep. Now, I would argue that he's already competing with Dorsett. Now, Dorsett had the touchdown in this game, but he had a couple big plays. And he even drew a pass interference call on Tremaine Johnson that had the potential to be a big play in and of itself down the field. And Tremaine Johnson had to be smart and just grab him, or, or it was going to be a big play. But. Yeah, I think that relationship is building and, you know, it's it's going in the direction I think you want it to. And it sort of flies in the face of Brady, you know, OK, throw him the ball. We all saw this in the summer. This yeah. isn't a surprise to anyone who watched Jacoby Myers practice in the summer or play with Stidham in the preseason. The only person who seemed hesitant or to question what Jacoby Myers could do was Tom Brady. I think even Bill Belichick knew it. There's a reason Bill Belichick, obviously, A, kept him on the roster. There's also a reason Bill Belichick traded Demarius Thomas when Antonio Brown arrived and didn't just cut Jacoby Myers. If Jacoby Myers were hanging on by a thread, he would have been cut when Antonio Brown arrived. and You would have had Tom Brady's perfect core of veteran receivers, all guys that he knows and trusts. Bill Belichick said, no, Jacoby Myers is going to be good. Jacoby Myers can help us in the long run can help the Patriots in the long run. Maybe even if it's not you, Tom Brady, held on to him. And now Brady is finally, I think, seeing what everybody else has seen and believed for a long time now, that Jacoby Myers is an NFL receiver with a bright future. He doesn't run fast, but he has a bright future. So we talked about how great the offense was to start. 
but then you got to look at how they performed in, in the middle stretch. So I guess end of the game. I know they're up 33 nothing, but after they scored touchdowns on three out of the four, first four drives of the game, they went punt, 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 interception, punt, touchdown, punt, 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 end of game. That's not a great end of the game, or even you know from second quarter on, which sort of mirrored what they did the last time they played the Jets. And I don't know. I just come away from the game. I'm still not totally confident that they have anything offensively. But it is worth noting that sort of they talked about last week, Brady mentioned on Westwood One, that they might have changed expectations for offense. They understand that they're no longer the offense of the past where they can put up 30 points a game. I think Brady made note of it by saying, you know, we have to basically change our expectations and be, be more realistic. And maybe this is an offense that's going to rely more on their defense and have more long, sustained drives that we saw to open the game and play an early, uh, early 2000s-like style of play. Yeah, I thought those were interesting comments because he talked about it happening sort of in the course of this bye week, essentially, this extra time off, which to me sounds a lot like he got sat down. <laughs> it almost sounds yeah. like Belichick, McDaniels, the both of them sat him down and said, listen, we need to talk about this. You're not the show anymore in town. It's the defense. And I, I think that's interesting. Now, I will say in this game in particular, I thought they clearly shut it down. And we'll talk about it in a minute. I mean, they were killing clock with like 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Bill basically admitted that in the whole punt thing with the rules and extra penalties, blah, blah, blah. So they were playing from ahead and just going to cruise to the victory here. But you're right. I, I think we, he reevaluated what they are. Gone are the – and we've talked about this prior to him admitting it, that this is who they are, that the offense is no longer the best unit, that, you know, the this isn't – and I think he was teased by it in week two. He was teased by the idea that they could still be that, and he still wanted to be that. I still think he wants to be that. I think he wants to be the show. I think he wants to fling the ball around 55 times, throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, and that's what he dreamed about when Antonio Brown was sleeping over his house and they were going 30 for 30 on the practice field. That was what he was dreaming of, 07 all over again. This isn't 07. You're right, this is early 2000s, which, by the way, was a dominant football team that won three Super Bowls in four years and you know can add to his legacy. He doesn't have to add to his legacy with just yards and records and, and all of those things. He can add to his legacy by just collecting a record seventh Super Bowl ring and continuing to win that way. So I think it was interesting, and I, I'd like to be a fly on the wall to whatever realization, whatever conversation took place over the last week or 10 days where Brady's now voicing that opinion. But I think it's good for the team because I'm with Teddy Bruschi, who said it on our airwaves, even with, and we should talk about the, uh, there's a report. What? 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 Muhammad Sanu joining well, the album. I was going to say, a little behind the scenes in the off-day podcast, Five minutes before we started recording this, Patriots traded second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu. And um, that means the offense is going to be a little better, but I don't think Mohamed Sanu is not Antonio Brown. It's not a transformational addition. So as Teddy Bruschi said on our airwaves when they asked him, you know, should they make a trade for offense, and he kind of said no, and I think most people would have thought he said no because the offense is good enough. His reason was no. The offense is never going to be all that good this season. You're not going to fix all that ails it with a single trade or a single move, and Sanu will not do that. So just be comfortable with who you are. Be comfortable playing defense, playing special teams. Now, he joked you don't have the kicker. That usually goes along with that formula that of playing that style of football. But 
I think that's who they are. And Sanu just fits in with that. He's an extra piece, um, you know, a 50-catch, 60-catch type guy, versatile. I'm sure they'll throw the ball with him at some point because that he has that versatility. Um, a trusted veteran. Now, I'll be interested to see if Josh Gordon is healthy yep. and Philip Dorsett is healthy and, and then uh, Julian Edelman's obviously healthy. Does this kind of push back against what we just talked about, that Jacoby Myers has caught every pass thrown his way over the last two weeks and Brady seems to be building a relationship with him? Is this bad for his development? Is this giving Tom giving in to Tom Brady who, I don't like to throw to young guys. I only want veterans. That would be my concern here because I want to see where Jacoby Myers can go. And, oh, by the way, Nikhil Harry's practicing. You have yep. two more weeks to decide what his future is. You have – you may not have an abundance of high-end receivers, but you kind of have a lot of bodies at wide receiver right now. We'll get into more of the Sanu addition and how this factors in in our next podcast, middle of the week. But I think they – like you said, they have too many receivers, and it's probably going to be an odd guy out, you would imagine, to get Sanu onto the roster, right? Yeah, I don't know. Who? Who's the well, other? You can, always, you can always go back to your guy, James Ferentz, who was actually impactful last night, led the way for Tony Michelle's what? touchdown. We're going to cut him after he had his most productive game of his NFL career? They went jumbo packages, baby, and he was leading the way for touchdown. How do you feel about that? All these guys taking James Devlin's spot at fullback. Does I freaking love it. I freaking that... love it. You know why? Because it takes, like, like, 20 guys. Guys. takes 20 guys to fill a single guy's role. Devlin rolling in with his Rocky hat on, MetLife Stadium doing his pregame running. And the world, I told you this when it happened, it's sad, but he had to be injured for the world to realize just how goddamn good he is. And I kind of appreciate that. Now, what I don't appreciate, uh, Landon Roberts was not very good in his role at fullback on the goal line, which had cleared the way for a touchdown. uh, He was not very good. If you go back and watch that, he was not very good at all. He's not – people – some of his teammates were like, oh, he's perfect. I think James White might have said he's perfect for that role. He likes to hit. And, yeah, he wasn't he very good. He said he was perfect for that role. He said he likes to hit linebackers, and now he's hitting them. Right. He wasn't very good. <laughs> but, but, again, not his fault. He's not a fullback. If he stays in that role for, like, three weeks, I bet you he'll be pretty good at it in a couple of weeks as a goal line fullback. But – so they had um, Landon Roberts. They had uh, – who's the other backup off of Lumiere? He was yep. in the jumbo packages. Uh, Ferentz, um, you know, they did what they needed to do. And I thought it was interesting. Bill talked about that, compared it to the Cowboys who said, you know, he said they have a really good defense, really good front. It's hard to get those short yardage situations. What the Cowboys did is said, we're just going to spread it out and try to throw. That didn't work for the Cowboys on the uh, two point conversion. Patriots took the other approach and stuck with it because they got stuffed a couple times before they were able to punch it in on the goal line. Um, but give them credit and, and give Sony Michelle credit. He's an up and he's a down. Um, three touchdowns. People are going to look at that and be like, wow, Sony Michelle, big game. Not so much. 20 carries for 40 yards, not a big game. Didn't run great in, in short yardage, even with the ones that he actually picked up. Um, and we got our first taste. And I don't know if it's a passing of any torch, but Damian Harris got in there. Now, it did take Sony Michelle limping off for Damian Harris to get in there and actually carry the ball. And I will say, you know, probably going to be a little misleading that he had a couple nice runs, one of which came on third and 15. He had a 14-yard pickup, and it's with four minutes of garbage time to play in a blowout. So, But I liked what I saw. I want to see more of Damian Harris. I've been saying that for a few weeks now. The way Sony is running, 
So give Damian Harris a chance. He's a third round rookie. Did it at Alabama. We know Nick Casario, how important the SEC and that level of competition is. Give Damian Harris a chance. It was sort of telling that it took until, like you said, Michelle to come off the game limping to actually give him a chance. And, you know, it's not like they're up, whatever, 33 nothing early in the fourth quarter, and still he couldn't see the field. So I don't think that, that they necessarily even wanted to play Harris, but just sort of maybe wanted to preserve Brandon Bolden for whatever reason. But well, no, I got a hot take for you. Let's hear it. I think they were afraid he would come in and run well. Because Sony Michelle's already struggling. There's already plenty of people saying it was a terrible first-round pick. He's not a first-round value. And maybe behind the scenes, I don't know this, maybe behind the scenes his confidence is waning a little bit or something. And maybe the worst thing you could have for those things is Damian Harris come in and right away run well and pick up chunk yardage and say, oh, by the way, it's not the all the offensive line's fault. If you're a good running back, you can pick up yards. So I wonder if they were worried that they would create sort of a – you know, quote unquote, running back controversy if he came in and played well. And maybe they want to get Sony Michelle going late in the game with that garbage time and hope that maybe that would be like, you know, second half against Washington was his best yep. run of the season. Maybe they were hoping to do that again in New York. And instead, you get a little taste of Damian Harris that fuels people like me wanting more Damian Harris. Let me be honest, something. I know Sony Michelle's not exactly a like super excited guy when he talks, but for a guy that had three touchdowns after the game, he wasn't all that excited about it. I think he sort of knows deep down that it, you know it wasn't what the numbers say. He only had, like you said, forty something yards, averages like two point something yards to carry. It was not a vintage running back three touchdown game. I think he maybe sort of sees you know Harris behind him. Um, maybe he sees just a, this trend of not being able to produce like he did from a year ago. So yeah, I think maybe you are onto something. And. Now, did you did you think he was hurt? Was there any health issue that yeah. could have led? Okay. And I would say, though, like four games out of seven with less than four yards of carry, I think three of them under three yards of carry. And one of the ones where he got over four yards of carry was the cheap one against the Giants, I believe, yeah. where he had that late meaningless run that swayed the statistics, like a 26-yard run. Um, so it, they're still not where they want to be. Uh, and I still think the offensive line, because everybody on the broadcast, Booger, the insufferable Booger, who never shuts up and just – I didn't even listen. I obviously was at the game, so I didn't listen to it, but he stinks. He's, um, he's worse than Dan Fouts. Uh, yeah, he, and he's worse than Witten. People missed the fact that he was worse than Witten just because everybody – it became like groupthink, Twitter criticism. Let's jump on Jason Witten. Uh, he stinks. And I'll tell you, a little behind the scenes here, watching the game at home, my son muted the TV in the middle of the game because he was sick of hearing Booger talk. That's a 12-year-old kid who doesn't want to hear the commentator. That's bad news for your, your telecast. That's not like a hardcore, you know, 40-year-old football fan. That's a kid who muted the telecast. But uh, what was I talking about? Sony uh, Michelle, Damian Harris. Sony Michelle. Oh, they kept fixating on Brady wasn't sacked. Um, that wasn't as much just on the offensive line as it was on Tom Brady got rid of the football. He got hit on the uh, interception. That was a pressure that led to his fourth interception of the season, fourth in as many weeks. So I don't think the offensive line was quite as good as, oh, we threw it 40-something times and Brady was never sacked. I think they still had their issues on the offensive line. They weren't great. All right. So I guess we'll we'll put a bow on this and wrap this thing up. We got to get it posted. Get it posted. People are saying, where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? Yes, it will be up soon. Um, We will be back at it 
middle of the week tomorrow, actually, because it's Tuesday. So we'll have another podcast looking ahead to the game against the Browns, talking about Mohamed Sanu, um, the offense, the defense. There's still a lot to get to with this team. 7-0, and off to a good start. But now we're getting into the meat of the schedule, the Browns, um, the Eagles, the Ravens. It's uh, no longer the, 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 the games of blowing up the Jets 33 nothing. They're going to actually have some battles coming up. I want you to either answer this right now in a reactionary sense and then be prepared with a more in-depth answer when we meet again on Wednesday for a midweek podcast. Who's good in the National Football League? Who's good in the AFC other than the Patriots? Uh, the short answer is the Colts, the Texans, and the Chiefs if Patrick Mahomes get health- healthy. Other than that, it's crap. Yeah, let me give you a little example of booger idiocy. He yep. goes, I really think in the AFC it's going to come down to the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Texans, the Colts, and the Ravens. You can't say come down to and then list five or six playoff teams, you moron. That's ridiculous. You can't just take everybody. You just took all the good teams out of the AFC. There's a pretty good chance you're going to nail the hell out of that one because those are the only teams that have a chance, you moron. He really did. So he basically took five out of six teams. I heard the sentence developing, and he said, I think it's going to come down to, and I'm thinking, Patriots, and he's going to fill in. You know, still think it's the Chiefs with the Mahomes injury. He'll come back. Or – the Ravens look really good. Lamar Jackson might be for real. People are talking about him being spe- – or pick one team. He listed the entire field of the AFC and said it's going to come down to them. No crap. That just feeds into just how bad he is. He is. He's terrible. Terrible. And he was big on reading notes. Oh, when the Patriots enter into the stadium, this is the sign they see. And he looks down and he reads. Uh, when they leave the stadium, this is the sign they see. Ugh. I had enough booger. Thank God Monday Night Football is once a year. Yes. All right. So we will be back, like you said, midweek Wednesday with that podcast. And again, follow us and everything off day pod on Twitter, Stitcher, iTunes, leave us reviews, five stars, do everything. Our bosses love it. We like to read them from time to time. Makes us feel good about ourselves. If you want to rip us, go right ahead. Rip us. I don't care. Well, rip Ryan. Don't rip me. Well, that's usually how it goes anyway. So I like that. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. And we will talk to you a couple days. Bye bye. Peace out. Hi, Bruins fans looking for more coverage of your favorite hockey team? Follow the Skate Pod hosted by Scott McLaughlin, Brian DeFelice, and me, Bridget Prue. Get your Bruins coverage from WEI's team of Bruins writers. We're the people who are at the games and talk to the players every week. For analysis of every Bruins game and exclusive interviews with the players, listen to the Skate Pod on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.